Hi, I'm Corey. And I'm Woody. I'm Monica. <laughs> and this is the ISOcast. And then we play a bunch of music. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're done. That's it. You, you, well done. Is that a beer that I saw you, you sip from? It is beer. Wow. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Dutch. It is not beer o'clock here in Canada. What, what time is it where you are? It's five in the afternoon. Oh, it's like two past beer o'clock. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's only my first one, so... So where, where in the world are you? I'm in the Netherlands. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. How's it going there? Yeah. <laughs> corona. Or we actually say Corona. And I know in a lot of other countries they say COVID. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kicking our ass. We're, 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 a COVID, we're COVID people, right? Woody, are we COVID? I think we're COVID now. I think it, we've changed. I think it was Corona at first. Like yeah. when it first started, it was, oh, it was the coronavirus. And now I think, I think people like saying COVID-19 because they don't have to say the word virus. And COVID's <laughs> a lot easier to roll your eyes to. You know, ugh, COVID. COVID. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue a bit better. I think it's here, it's either Corona or then because we speak Spanish a lot at home, it's mm. COVID. I'm sure the folks at Corona Beer are happy that we're saying COVID now. <laughs> well, the other day we were playing, which is, I don't know if you would call it football. I guess you might call it soccer. I have no idea. But we were playing Mexico and they actually had a player called Corona. <laughs> oh. Obviously, we played terribly, so let's talk about it. <laughs> and then was this one of those empty stadium soccer matches? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have the thing, I don't know about you, but in the United States, they have this thing where you can pay to have a life-size cardboard cutout of either yourself or someone else made, and then they put it in a seat for you. I, yep, that's the face. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. No, that's, that's not a thing here. No. Okay. We did go into partial lockdown again this week, so... They are not permitting any kind of audience at games, not even if it's amateurs. They're closing a lot of stuff again, restaurants again, everything. It's not going well. It seems pretty on par for what we're experiencing here then. It was very, it's comforting to see we're all in this together. <laughs> Is that, did you go through the cycle uh, like we did in the spring? Or maybe you were ahead of us because you're in Europe. So did you, did you do the lockdown thing in the spring? Um, because there were, I don't know, I've read some things about the Netherlands that they were, I don't know, ahead of the curve or so to speak, and they did some kind of different things, but maybe you can say if that was true or not. I mean, different, I'm not sure. We, I'm in the South and we started even a little bit earlier. I don't know if that's a good thing, but <laughs> we did <Yeah. laughs> like end of February, I think because it was carnival and it was everything. So that was sort of spreading. And because people came back from um, like winter vacations, skiing in, in Italy and Austria and countries like that in France, and they took the virus back. So I've been at, working at home since virtually the first days of March. 
So it's been a long time. <laughs> I think I've been at work, at work about three times or something. Um, but yeah, we always had pretty quickly, I think mid-March, we went into what they call an intelligent lockdown, whatever. The, in, I don't know what's intelligent about that. That it basically meant that we were allowed to go outside. I know some countries were completely restricted. Like in France, they weren't allowed to go outside. Everyone wanted, suddenly wanted to dock because otherwise you weren't allowed to go outside. We were always allowed to go outside. So we would go for walks or we were allowed to do grocery shopping or whatever. Shops had a while that they were closed. And then pretty quickly, things were just restricted, but not so much closed. I think in March, April, we had the biggest thing where restaurants and everything were closed. So that's, it was a lockdown, but we, we had some freedom. And now they said, okay, we went back into a partial lockdown, which means that some of the professions, like for example, hairdressers and everything were closed before and they are still open now, but they had to close restaurants and everything, they closed those again. Woody, since we last spoke, um, I, I think very, <laughs> I was very cocky about how green our, our zone was here. Yeah, and you were. Yeah, I was like, we're in a green zone, baby. We're good. And we're like, it's super red now. Like, oh, is it? Oh, yeah, no. We're, we're like red as hell here. And I guess in Toronto, it's, you guys are, you guys are super locked down now. I mean, yeah, it's super red as well. Rouge, I guess, if you Rouge. want to say. Rouge. Like, <laughs> You were very cocky, uh, the last show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Quebec in Canada has colors. I guess we're we're going with. Yeah. Um, but we, I think we were we were red last time. We did the show maybe two weeks ago. I don't know, three weeks ago, perhaps. I think I uh, we, yeah. we were red then, even if you know the officials who were in charge of locking it down or otherwise didn't say it was red. So I mean, there were the numbers here were were going up, and so now we. Have- This is why we edit. <laughs> Let me try that again. Thank you, Woody. All right. Somebody's I didn't know it was my tech issue. Somebody has to produce this show. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Yeah, so we did a room switch. We stopped recording for a while. We're recording we're again. Downstairs. We're recording again. <laughs> it's uh, rule number one of a podcast. Record it. <laughs> the um, I, w- I was just commenting. And I think our fans... <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> Would like to hear this. Your mom. I was, I was, I was asking because, uh, you know, I'd mentioned I have a colleague in in Stockholm where it's just kind of a, it's a free for all there, you know. And Marika, you were saying that because of that, their, if I understand correctly, their vision of it and the rest of Europe's vision of their approach is differing. <laughs> Well, I mean, at first people were saying, oh, you know, you should take an example maybe, or what are they doing right that we're doing wrong? Like what is happening? And now it seems to be, or at least the last months, because I think it's already changed. I'm not sure what the situation in Sweden is right now, but it was going really poorly. They were, you know, a red country as it is. (laughs) (laughs) Is that worse than red? It sounds worse. Rojo. Rouge, I think it's softer. It's more like a, it's like an aubergine. It's, it's just, it's not so bad. It's like a blusher. Yeah. It's an optimistic. <laughs> so I'm hearing a little bit like Sweden is kind of the, it's kind of the US of Europe right now. It's like, you guys can do whatever you want, but nobody can come and go. 
I mean, I think the Sweden itself wasn't restricting as much as other countries were saying to their people, like, don't go there. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, it's interesting because a lot of people month, a few months ago, May, in May, June, July, were pointing the people who didn't believe in the lockdowns and thought that we can just kind of go ahead with life as normal. We're pointing to Sweden as an example of, yeah. see, we can do this. They're doing it. We can do it. No. And I mean, every country is different. Sweden's population isn't the size of a lot of countries and et cetera. But now we're seeing that they tried it, but it, it, it did not work. So no, it did not work. Is there, is there anything, is there like a Swede shaming in Europe where you see, you see someone think so. Swedish and you're just kind of like, uh oh, <laughs> No. And right now we can't really say anything as a country here because I think I'm not sure if the worst in Europe, but we're right up there right now. Oh, and sorry. more and more countries like Germany said, don't go first two parts of the Netherlands. I don't remember if you I don't know if you remember that I ever told you about the difference between the Netherlands and Holland. <laughs> but they basically I do, but I wish you would tell us again. Please tell us. I've never really forgotten that. That's really good. It's been a few months, years, <laughs> sorry. Years. Sully <laughs> jumbled up my sense of time. Yeah, so Holland is just two provinces here. South Holland, South Holland, and North Holland, North Holland. So that has the biggest population density as well, I guess. And a lot of people, if they're tourists, they go to Amsterdam, they don't get any further. They just see the center and obviously they haven't seen anything of the country. They've only seen other tourists. And Rotterdam, uh, The Hague, where the government is, that's all in those same two provinces. And a lot of people who are from there will actually abroad also say I'm from Holland, whereas people from other parts in the country will say that I'm from the Netherlands <laughs> mm. because they don't want to be seen as someone who's from there i guess or they're like no the country is bigger than that so at first germany belgium were saying no you're not allowed to go to holland because the cases were going up there a lot and they're still the worst like there's still a couple of cities where it's definitely uh, the restrictions are even worse even stricter but the rest of the country is, is just as far ahead and the cases were going up but it was also the testing policy of the government that wasn't necessarily the best thing to do. So they're blaming everyone who is still doing parties, but definitely the government has some things that they could have done better. So now the whole country is a no-go zone. It's really difficult when we see a lot of countries have the science, but follow the politics, you know, at least in, in our neck of the woods, as we say, mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest issues is that those countries that are showing successful containment, you know, one are largely enjoying the luxury of geography. Mm -hmm. right? If you're an island, it's a lot easier. <laughs> and then the second is that uh, those leaders are following the science. But the third observation that, that my partners pointed out frequently is they're often led by women. Hmm. which is a huge difference I've noted in the success rate of containing the virus in a country. The men, well, you know, when they're politicians, they're like, they kind of think they know everything. And uh, I don't think they do. What are you, man? Would you agree with that? <laughs> I, I can't disagree with it. I mean, it's, it is what it is. You see a lot of the countries that are doing well and the leaders are women. And the ones who aren't, 
they have they have male leaders so i think that's you can't disagree with that sentiment for sure um Marike, who I I'm very ignorant about this. Who is the leader of the Netherlands? It is a man. Yeah, I, there's okay. no ah. there's no like no. He's been our prime minister for ten years now. I think. Yeah. What is the the gentleman's name? Mark Rutte. Oh, so, so you have one of those political systems. There's no term for whomever is elected. They can. As long I mean, as they're, they're elected, not elected they so much themselves. Okay. We still have, um, we are, what's the official name? I should know this. But are we, you a constitutional monarchy? Yes. yes. <laughs> Sometimes my Spanish comes oh. out. Yeah, we're constitutional, <laughs> we're <laughs> constitutional monarchy. So we still have a, a king and a queen. Actually, our queen is Argentinian. Ooh. And oh, This is interesting. <laughs> and our prime minister is part of the party and the party that is the biggest in, in whatever election came up. Um, they are usually allowed to choose their prime minister, but it's not like we as the people are allowed to pick like our prime minister. Does your monarchy play a heavy role in the, the politics of the country? Or is it more like, you know, you guys, you're on our money and it's no, awesome? No, it's, I mean, they represent us in certain things like state dinners or they, I, I do think they do certain jobs. I'm not completely sure what they do. I think they are, they officially need to sign a new cabinet when it's elected and, you know, they came to an agreement of which parties are going to be uh, the cabinets. Okay. Um, then they need to sign or they are sort of involved in that process, I think, but they're not technically, they're supposed to be sort of politically neutral, I think. Are they on the money? <laughs> No idea. <laughs> Have you done away with currency? Because okay. <laughs> we, we've got the queen on everything. She's everywhere still. Yeah. She's on everything. Lizzie, yeah, she's all over oh, the place. Oh. I'm not... The thing is, I pay by card all the time. So if you ask me right now, like, who is in our currency? The other thing is that we have euros. Uh, so so they, the have, euro, right? they so. have different, like, images on from all of Europe. So I guess we have our king on it. We should do. The world's gone cashless pretty quick. I really like that. We have um, we have some pretty funny money here in Canada. Uh, we went the way of, if you remember in Costa Rica, I think you were there at that transition where they started taking the the Mil Colone bill and it started turning into this yeah. floppy, flies out of your hand, plastic, indestructible beach money. <laughs> And for some reason, somebody in Canada is like, that's awesome. We should make all our money unfoldable, <laughs> very difficult to use, smell and literally smells like maple syrup. The $100 bill smells like maple syrup. <laughs> it does. No, it's Why? not. A Absolutely. It's but on how? purpose. They made, no, it, they made it on purpose smell like maple syrup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we don't have a king, but <laughs> we've got that. <laughs> but I, I, this goes to it's that. A whole country like, of how this, did they do that <laughs> it's a whole country of those people that you hate in line at the at the store who are in front of you who drop their money on the floor and they have to pick it up and you're you're in a rush we got a whole country of those people because now because you can't hang on to your money now it slips out of your hand you get your change back you, you drop it all over the place it takes forever to to go through the cashier so we've gone cashless 
That's what we, we give up. And I think that was You're all so clumsy that That was the strategy. I think that was the strategy. The problem like in Costa Rica that'll never happen. Like people I don't think half the people trust their bank card. And I don't blame them because I've used bank no. cards in Costa Rica and I've had problems, lots of problems. But it's got that thing where the cash drawer opens like a jack-in-the-box and all the money just flies out because it doesn't lay flat. It doesn't fold. No. I don't know. I digress. So do the other notes smell like other things? Do you have a whole series? No, that'd be great, smells? though, wouldn't it? <laughs> like if the $5 bill smelled like a Wilfrid Laurier or a, a Blue Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but what does a Blue Jay smell like? Labatt Blue. <laughs> Oh, there's an idea. I'm going to pitch that. Have you have you been traveling throughout Europe at all? Or have you stayed like, boom, I'm, I'm staying home. I'm not getting No, I mean, I'm also working. In January, we still went. Um, we went to visit a friend. Actually, we saw Greg. Really? McNutt? Mm. <laughs> McNutt, wow. yes. All right. <laughs> we hung out with him and Catherine. You might know yep. Catherine as well. I remember yep. Catherine. Yes, of course. Where was this? So I'm friends with Catherine now. Friends, okay. In, no, in I'm friends with Catherine now. Oh. Now she's in Croatia. Wonderful. Yeah, so we went there. Uh, went to Zagreb. We did an escape room. Oh. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you're here, so you must have escaped. We, we did escape somehow. <laughs> we have really fun pictures to remember it. So I'm always curious with, with different... Uh, political systems and, and approaches what um, for example your government is doing in support of the population in this in this lockdown phase you know maybe what some of the social programs in place are what kind of uh, you know income supplementation there is what, what have you guys got going on there I, th I know that they're helping um, sort of independent people who have their own company like sort of small independent companies. Uh, I know they could ask for government aid. Apart from that individually, I don't think so. I know my job got me a sort of working at home kind of bonus of a couple hundred mm. to be like, oh, if you need a new chair or I don't know, something <laughs> to sit on. <laughs> and they've sent me a lot of different things, my job, but that was not necessarily from the government. It's just like, well done, you're doing a good job, we're thinking of you. And then they send you a bag of nuts where you're like, this costs so much to send, why are you sending this? But you send me some PPE. <laughs> you're right, I don't need these nuts. <laughs> Do you... They send me a picnic basket, they send me flowers once, they send me oh. nuts, they, I don't know. This sounds... They they want you to stay, that's great. That's very good. Yeah. Do you enjoy the working from home? I think, I assume, like I, I, Cor and I talk about this a lot. We go back and forth, but mostly we like it. But do you, how have you settled into the the home office in the long term? I go up and down. I th I think I would like the mix because I travel quite a, a quite a distance to my job. The commute is quite far. Uh, I would work on the train, but still it would be an hour and a half on the train Oof. before getting to work, and then an hour and a half back. Now, I wouldn't do that five days a week. I would go maybe two, sometimes three days. It's fine because I get on the train, I cycle to the station, I get on the train, open my laptop, and I start working, and then I get off. <laughs> it's a direct train, and then I just 
you know, take my laptop, walk into the university and then keep working. And usually I'm quite flexible. So I'm able to leave again on time and just finish my hours in the train. So it's not so bad. So I mostly miss working with colleagues. There are some things are hard to arrange over email. It costs a lot more time. And in general, I'm, I'm a researcher right now and our research has suffered a lot with the COVID-19. Our training was canceled then, we, you know, and every time we need to do all the work in order to get it started again, in order to plan everything, in order to get everyone scheduled in. And then, you know, something happens again because it's unpredictable and, and we just have to start all over again. And we don't know if, if all that work is going to lead somewhere because everything might just be canceled again. We're, we're experiencing um, or we're working with a lot of clients who are starting to develop podcast series on future of work because this is pretty top of mind <laughs> for, for organizations <laughs> and uh it's it's interesting we've seen this kind of wave where at first everyone's like great we're never going to work again this is awesome you know but yeah the novelty of that wears off very quickly and then the the reality of productivity shifts i think you know productivity went up for a lot of mm -hmm. companies or a lot of organizations at first because it's like i'm, I'm not commuting anymore i can get a lot more done but what's interesting in a lot of these scenarios is that what they found is they caught up on a lot of kind of the, the minuscule to-dos that they had up to that point. But now when it gets down to actually mm -hmm. getting work done, meeting, uh, having creative conversations, um, starting projects and getting them on track, they're like, this is not working. Um, it, so for us, no. we're seeing mm -hmm. here in Canada, the conversations around uh, having more blended environments, right? Where you can go in for two, three days a week, as you had mentioned, you know, let's go in and we'll have those creative yeah. huddles. Let's have that interaction. Let's get these things started. And then those, the, the minutia of the work that you need the focus is best done at home, right? So that kind of blend, I think is maybe a potential yeah. outcome for a lot of organizations that could be really good. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the blend is perfect. It's a, yeah. It's, I've seen a lot of, I've heard a lot of really smart people talk about that idea where, you know, people can, are very capable of checking task boxes by working at home. Today's my to-do list. I can do this, 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 and this and do it. But at the same time, you know, we, when, before pandemic life, we mostly took for granted the things about the workplace where we focused on our long commutes or our yeah. time away from the family and which are still, you know, negatives, but not, but taking for granted the collaboration and the camaraderie and the working and the creativeness of working with other people. Yeah. And so these people have been saying, you know, as, as from a company perspective that sure you can get work done or you can sustain your current business, but it's really hard to grow it with the 100% at home. Just what you said, Corey, because new ideas are not getting started. It's hard to think of new things. It's hard to start new projects, hard to have that growth when everyone's yeah. scattered and, and you just don't have that, you know, I have half an idea. I need another person to to complete this this idea that I have. And if we're doing it on Zoom and someone's not available, it's really hard to get that done. Add to the layer of that yeah. using technology as this sort of intermediary to communicate. You know, we're all sitting around for 45 minutes per session looking at ourselves, waiting our turn to speak, right? There's there's no, you can't measure those social cues that can spiral into a, a creative snowball conversation, for example, yeah. where you really build on each other. We're sorry, you have reached a number. We're sorry, it is not necessary to...
And we're back. <laughs> hey. I have no idea what's wrong with the internet. I have a lot of European clients, and they all say the same thing in all of Europe. It's like, I don't know what happened there. My internet's terrible. That's I hear that every day. The, the thing is, the internet is quite good, and I have video calls, and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. You talk for hours, and then you're trying to do something, and you're like, apparently today it does not want to work. Okay. It's Sunday. It gets, it's it's day off, you know? It gets exactly. tired. Exactly. That's right. It's like, what are you yes. doing? You're not working until tomorrow. <laughs> I'm still wearing track pants, so... That counts. Could you imagine smart internet? Like, you know, you could put in your phone. You can, you can turn off your notifications. You can set time limits for Instagram or whatever that your phone won't let you mm -hmm. log into Instagram if you set it for you know, locking yourself out type of thing. If the internet would do that and just say, you, you're done. You've had enough today. You've been online for, for six hours. <laughs> you're done. It's, we're, we're just turning this off now. I have that. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I have a mesh wireless system and then I can program... Uh, either cutting off devices at certain times. So at 10 o'clock, an iPhone for example, won't, get, won't go online or the Apple TV gets cut, cut off. I don't have any kids, but if I did, this would be great. I don't use it because, you know, I like the internet, but I, yeah. yeah, this is a thing for sure. I have to, I have to ask, because you'd mentioned earlier, Mariki, that there was something you called like an intelligent lockdown. We, we have a brand of yeah. water in Canada called Smart Water. I, I don't know what makes it smart, it's just water as far as I'm concerned, but what makes your lockdown intelligent? I do not know. <laughs> this is what our prime minister calls it. Because <laughs> it sounds no, techy, honestly, right? yeah. I know it, it starts, it sounds smart, right? It sounds like, oh, this is something we thought about, but no. I think Google the only home, difference right? is, it's the only difference is, okay, we're not doing a complete lockdown. It's just sort of a variation on that in that you are allowed to to move. We also had the same with the masks. We hadn't actually, nobody wore masks here ever mm. in months. The, because the point was that they said uh, for a really long time, okay, research doesn't show that it, it helps that much. Um, and also they were scared of, okay, medical professionals need the official masks. So you're not allowed um, to use that material and use it when they actually need it. And they have come around, but only the last two weeks, maybe. And then, so after seven months, they were, because in the summer, they already changed to, okay, in the train, you have to use it because they kept talking about the meter and a half distance that you need to keep. And as long as you keep that distance, it's not necessary to use a mask. And then you had to use it in public transport because you cannot keep that meter and a half distance. And now they're saying, okay, no, it, it's not going well with the cases. And they started, they need to change the law actually, because they now said, okay, no, you have to, it's mandatory to wear in all public inside spaces. You have to wear a mask like shops or whatever. And, but they have to change the law in order to actually be able to, do something about it as the police, I guess. We we have, uh, I think in Ontario, I don't know how vigilant you guys are, but Quebec, we, boy, they love doling out $1,000 tickets to anybody who's not wearing a mask, right? Or in a, in a public gathering of a certain size. Yeah. So I, I would imagine though in the Netherlands, the king just, you know, raises the scepter and says, it's the law and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> It was a whole scandal this week because he went on vacation and the prime minister uh, is responsible for everything that he does. Uh, 
and it was technically allowed. It was within the rules because he went to Greece, to his country, to his country, to his house, his vacation house. Uh, it was a yellow area. It was all fine. But obviously, that was just the week in which the prime minister said to everyone, OK, I know it's the autumn break, but stay at home. Try not to go anywhere, uh, you know, advising everyone to please don't go anywhere. And then people mm -hmm. heard, you know, wait, but, you know, what is he doing on vacation then? <laughs> Shouldn't he give some kind of, you know, example? Yeah. Our, our, but it's kind yeah, of ridiculous. signals all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it seems, seems like it's the same pretty much everywhere. We have similar things here with our, our leaders uh, doing the same thing. And I think it just comes down to people, you know, we can't stay home forever. So I, I wonder. No. Um, and Corey and I, in the last show, we talked about my, my first test, my first mm. swab experience. Mm. <laughs> And I've, I've been, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, jokingly advising people to go get one. Um, and it, actually here in, in Ontario, it's hard now because you there, it's kind of seems inverted, but the numbers are so high now that you're not allowed to get tested anymore because they just, unless you have symptoms and mm. they're not, you know, if, if you're asymptomatic or you're just trying to be careful, they're not letting people do it because the lines are too low. I don't think they ever did that here. But it just, we, Corey mentioned this idea of this rapid test that's evolving and it's coming and it hasn't been approved yet, but what comfort level would, would you guys have? Because I think this is where it's headed, short of a vaccine that may or may not be developed in 18 months or a year or two years or whatever the time frame is, of this, forget about going back to pre-pandemic life, of just, you know, this normal being... You, if you want to go somewhere, you want to go to a restaurant, you want to go to any building, you want to go to whatever it is, where they just do this rapid test of people in line. And if it's a negative, comes back negative within whatever, how rapid it is, you're allowed to go in and eat your meal. And if it's not, you got you to gotta go somewhere else. That might be the end game of where we're headed here. Sports, the whole thing, right? You want to go to the game? Here's, here's your rapid test. I don't, I don't even know what it's going to look like, how they're going to do this, but... I'm just it thinking about the money. A minute, you know. I'm just thinking about how much that would cost with all the material and to be testing everyone. And if, go, if someone's going about their day, if I'm tested before going into work, then I'm. I want to go somewhere for a drink. I'm being tested. Then I'm going somewhere for dinner. Like that doesn't. I mean, I'm unpacking the question of how comfortable I would be with it. You yeah. Know, if if we were to say, oh, it's a complication on your Apple Watch now. <laughs> you know, good morning. You're negative. It's 16 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. And then you go, you go on about your day. It's like, okay, that's cool. Um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a Black Mirror episode, but I, I think they could do that. Somehow. I'm not comfortable though, is the person as an example who may or may not be responsible for assigning my table in a restaurant is also responsible for determining whether or not I have a potentially deadly virus. I'm a little bit concerned, you know, they can barely keep a reservation at a restaurant, let alone tell me you're negative come on in mm -hmm. there's no foolproof way to do that yet so i mean it's purely hypothetical but to answer your question i would be i guess comfortable enough with it um if it was proven an effective method right because this this virus is it's pretty nasty and it really it finds its way no matter what you seem to do so you know, again, I, I heard, and I say facetiously, it's no different than someone who says to their girlfriend, I'm not going to use a condom because you had a pregnancy test and you're not pregnant. So you're not pregnant. We're good to go. Right. And it's like the test itself <laughs> does not determine whether or not you are contagious or someone else could readily get it. 
Marike is frozen because mm-hmm. she's either um, horrified by my analogy or <laughs> the, the, the great internet. Bonjour. 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 I think I'm going to have to put a sound effect in the podcast of every moment where the internet goes out, like a record slowing down or something, you know? Well, this time you froze up first and then it just stopped. Last oh, and you froze for us. Oh. Uh, we thought you were just horrified by Corey's question. <laughs> I did not hear his question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I think that's where most people would like to leave it with me. What was your question, Corey? I don't think it was, it was more just a comment that again, the, the notion that testing is the, the panacea here isn't necessarily true because just because you're tested doesn't mean that you, you're not susceptible or that you might like, it's, it's not a perfect system, right? I, I think it's important that if, if this is the direction we need to go, where in order to do certain things, we have to pass a test then those tests have to be ubiquitous and effective and rapid. And I, I, To your point, Marike, the expense and the logistics of that are enormous. Mm -hmm. By the time we maybe get to that place, we could have, um, you know, something close to a viable vaccine. Maybe maybe a lot of the energy is being spent on that might be better. I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? I'm a guy in a room in Canada. (laughs) I'm not a politician. (laughs) I think the other thing is that um, the privacy aspect is they have this they started using this Corona app right now. It's an application, but the most of the critique around it has not been, oh, why is there an app? But the privacy, who is who has access to this information about you? Because it's medical information and anyone who does research knows that you have to jump through a million different hoops in order to deal with any kind of information. So for me thinking, oh, I'm going to a restaurant and this person then has, you know, this medical information of me, that's impossible it needs to go through you know a, a medical commission who a medical ethical um commission a committee that needs to decide whether that's okay to do and all those kind of things so i think in my brain that just blocks it like okay that's not possible <laughs> yeah. you know the privacy yeah. aspect of it just i don't think it, at least here it wouldn't it's definitely a factor i was just thinking about the the sports that are happening or are concluding now in north america and that's basically how they've been able to function with baseball basketball mm-hmm. hockey the nhl just finished and they tested the athletes every day twice a day in, in a lot of cases um to be able to play in their bubble and baseball didn't even do a, a quote-unquote a bubble they just traveled around the u.s but they were testing them every day so they could play and the t- players that tested positive couldn't play for a couple of days, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And there's obviously an argument there that that's very elitist and the, the privileged and, yeah. and athletes, rich athletes are getting access to these tests where the common folk are not. And that's certainly valid. I just wonder if there's before, you know, aside from the vaccine being the goal, because obviously that's the goal, where there's just going to have to be, if the daily cases are over this number, 200, 300, what, you know, arbitrary number, then we do this versus this whole wait and see and just kind of juggling with our minds or our, you don't, don't know what's going to happen. So if there's a number, if it's over 300 for five days in a row, we go back into this intelligent Fuck lockdown. Down. If it's under 300, you know, because I, I think I struggle. I think we're all struggling with what is the goal? And the goal is to have, as you say, Corey, keep the numbers down so hospitals have a space yeah. for us if and when we need it. 
And what what is that number? And that number is different in every city and every town in the world. But maybe it's just that's the answer to have that more open communication of what number is the target. I think you raise a good point on privacy as well. You know, um, the EU has a, a very different perspective on this than, than North America. We're just like, yeah. whatever. And I'm with you. I, I don't want, I can't imagine what my Facebook feed would look like after Olive Garden learns that I've tested positive for COVID-19. <laughs> you know, so I think we're at that place that it's not just not feasible. The end game though is, if I understand correctly, the science behind this, despite a vaccine and despite those being immunized, like it's not like the it's not like COVID nineteen goes away. All of these no. these SARS are they're out there all the time. It's just part of now our ecosystem. Um, so I don't know even what the end goal is, and I don't I don't think that science again has a very good PR firm. <laughs> it's just there's not a an effective method of communicating. Here's what we don't know. Here's what we've learned. And here's what we're trying to do about it. And there certainly doesn't seem to be a consensus uh, in how to effectively communicate this. I know from culture to culture and from political system to political system, we have to factor those in. But this just seems to me like there should still be a concise message after seven months that's very, very clear. I mean, I think what people, I don't know, forget or maybe don't know is how long it takes to test something and how many test, you know, subjects you need to have and how many, you know, the flu we've been studying that for, I don't know how many decades probably. And then we have more evidence, but any other thing that people study, scientists, you often disagree. And after so many, so many researches, we can say, okay, probably this is what causes something or probably this is what helps or doesn't help. And then they find new things. So seven months is a really short time and they've already accomplished a lot. It's just that people are used to, okay, you know, just a, a quick Facebook status or like a, a clickbait article, which says, uh, I can't even come up with anything right now, but something really clear cut, like this is going to help or a mask is going to save your life when it's not that 100% clear cut, especially because how people use masks, that they're non-medical masks. So a lot of things are still, you know, the aerosols and everything are passing through it and people are trying to do the best they can. They are doing research, then people, other people need to see, okay, was that research done correctly? How was it done? What is done? And it's just a really short time, but the problem is that people are stuck at home and people need some kind of perspective. They need some kind of way to say, okay, how can I have a social life? How can I find you know meaning in my life when I'm looking at these walls all the time? <laughs> You know, maybe in summer I could be in the garden, but right now winter is just coming along and am I just going to be inside? Like, can I see friends? I want to do this responsibly. Other people see other kinds of, of news. Everyone is still in their bubble where if you see certain news, that's what's going to get repeated to you. And other people will see news that says, no, actually, it's a conspiracy theory and you know, it doesn't exist or it's just a flu or whatever it is. And that's what's going to get repeated to you by whatever media you are consuming. So, But I don't know, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to see how much of the population buys into this, this gobbledygook because 
certainly the news organizations like to to balance coverage and show you here's what a lot of people are saying and here's what a lot of other people are mm-hmm. saying and they're diametrically opposed and that's the way the world is but it makes it appear like this is a 50 50 thing yeah, probably like not where I'm, it's certainly it can't be the case we're not i know the world is largely run by d students but we're not all that dumb and you know to your point as well on the science is you, you come from the world of, hey, you got to publish, got to publish, got to publish. And mm-hmm. the, the more attention your publication gets, um, the better it is for those grants. And we're in a place, too, where there's so little study being done, right? Because so many labs are, are closed. We have, we, we just live in a world where it's like, you know, a fomite on a steel surface in a lab that can't be replicated is something that now is translated into a news headline in the world. Yeah. It's like, it's on doorknobs and you're going to die. And it's like, well... That's a leap. <laughs> that's a, that's huge a long leap. leap. That's the, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if yeah. if science had a PR firm that said, "Okay, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get this message out the right way," yeah, as opposed to letting like local news organizations dissect the paper, <laughs> then I don't know. That science PR firm would be a great idea. That reminds me of Have you seen that John Oliver episode from I think it's a few years ago where he's talking about climate change and the misrepresentation of I think on, so, on news yeah. outlets of just because they have the, you know these quote unquote debates on any all news networks and he says the problem with this dichotomy of some people say this some people think it's real some people think it's not real is that you turn on the news and you have a debate on climate change and you have one person arguing in favor or that it exists and one person arguing that it doesn't but that's not a statistical representation of how many people are on one side of that argument and how yeah. many people are actually on the other side of that because most of us are home and believe this is real and think mm-hmm. that climate change exists and uh, are looking forward to having 5g so i think we're in a place where <laughs> the vast majority of especially us are, in europe cool. yeah so I, I, it, it gets to a place with me where i have to start turning off the noise like i i hate using those those kind of fruity phrases like digital detox or these kind of things but sometimes now i'm just like i'm just gonna pick up a book i can't i can't you did not invent that word, Corey? No, no. <laughs> no. No, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Sounds like something reading, you could have invented. Reading books. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I think. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Write it down. Reading, so reading is good. Reading is good. Have you read any good books lately? <laughs> I am trying to, I'm reading this. It's always useful to point to things when people can only hear you, but okay. Yep. I'm reading Girl, Woman, Other. Oh. It's supposed to be really good. I only got through the first part. Because we're also honestly watching a lot of Netflix. (laughs) How many stars in the first part of the book? Is it good? Five stars so far? Yeah, no, it starts... It's it's written differently than other books. I feel like the style is different. Like, for example, there are... this, And this threw me off at, in the beginning. There's no... It just, it just continues. There's no periods. There's no exclamation. There's sometimes there's question marks I can see because I guess they need them. There's commas huh. in between, but there's no, the sentences just sort of go on, on underneath each other. And that means it's, it's good to just read inside your head. I don't know if you do that, but if I read, I just, I hear the sentences in my head. 
Is that onomatopoeia? Is that what that is? Moo. When you give a sound to... You're such an English teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Moo cow moo. All right. I think that's, um, I think that's kind of it, right? Yeah. All right. I'm Corey. feel like, and I'm, what do you feel? Wait, wait, you're feeling something. Feel it. Uh, I feel like we we did this. We did the show just like that book, just backwards. Like we're going down towards the cow now. (laughs) And we started in the, (laughs) with the moo. (laughs) Don't we all end up at the moo? I'm still Corey. (laughs) And I'm still Woody. I'm pretty sure I'm still Marika. And this was the ISOCast.